Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Women of the Way. My name is Brooke and I'm super excited to be sharing with y'all the fourth installment of the Fundamentals of the Faith series. So as I mentioned before, I just want to give credit to this idea that did come from the book entitled Spiritual Multiplication in the Real World by Bob McNabb. So that is where this idea came from, um, the 10 essentials that you would teach to a new Christian as you are discipling them. And so that being said, I'm super excited, as I already said, to get into the fourth fundamental, um, as I'm calling it. So the fourth fundamental is believers baptism and immersion into Christ's body. And there's kind of a little fun play on words there because, um, I do believe that baptism is immersion. Um, it's kind of where the Greek word means baptizo. So it's kind of funny how it goes into immersion into Christ's body as well. But so let's just jump right into it. So the main scripture for the first half of this podcast, which is going to be on baptism, um, is going to be Matthew 28, which I brought up in the last episode relating to Christ's lordship, but also part of Christ being Lord and telling his people to make disciples. And part of that discipleship is baptism. He said, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Greek word there, as I already alluded to, is baptizo. Baptizo, baptizo. Again, not um, someone who usually speaks Greek but trying to mispronounce them the best way possible. And that Greek word means dip, submerge, but specifically of ceremonial dipping, I baptize. And so the helps word study says that baptizo means to properly submerge, hence baptize, to immerse, um, literally dip under. And so it also says, the helps word study says that baptizo implies submersion, immersion in contrast to a different Greek word, which means sprinkle. And so that's the Greek word that Jesus is using in Matthew 28. And in my theological view, which I do think the New Testament supports that, that is the baptism that Jesus commands his followers to um, do an act of obedience after coming to know him. I do not believe that baptism, that being, uh, put under, being dunked under water and being coming back up removes any of your sin or that it, um, adds to your salvation. I believe that you are saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. And that baptism is a symbol of obedience to what Christ has done in your heart. It is a profession of your faith before the world so that they know that you are, in fact, a Christian. And so another scripture that I wanted to bring up in the New Testament that talks about baptism, and I think that can be confusing for some people the way Peter uses this, but I think it would bring some clarity to what baptism is, is in Acts 2. So Acts 2... um, this was specific, sorry, passage I'm going to bring up is a sermon that the Apostle Peter is actually preaching right after Pentecost. So if you know anything about Pentecost, 
that is when the fullness of the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, the 120 and more that were in the upper room waiting for this promise of the Spirit that Jesus promised would come upon them after he ascended into heaven. And so after the Holy Spirit comes on these people and they're speaking in different languages so that others can understand around them, they're not speaking in gibberish, they're speaking in other languages, Peter preaches a sermon showing how the Old Testament um, fulfillment of the Spirit's fullness coming in time has been fulfilled, as I've said. And so he has a very interesting point that he makes when, after those who have heard his sermon, say something. And so I'm going to read y'all some verses. So this is Acts 2, verses 37 through 41 says, now when they, says Peter's audience, heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were out of that day about 3,000 souls. And so does, so the, what I really want to focus on is verse 38 as we're talking about baptism. And then um, obviously verse 41 is kind of the fulfillment. These 3,000 were baptized. So um, <laughs> I'm going to get into to the specifics of how that happened because I'm not exactly sure, but um, the power of the Holy Spirit was there. So he uh, <laughs> probably helped the apostles. Um, but Peter says in verse 38, repent, repent, sorry, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And so I think we are not really paying attention to the context and what Peter is saying here can sound like he is saying that you're being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins but most a lot of scholars believe that kind of what Peter is saying here is that you repent and that's you coming to Christ and then be baptized right after it um he's not saying that this baptism is the forgiveness of your sins that's the repentance um, turning from your sin, turning to Christ, putting faith in Christ, that is what saves you. And the baptism um, should come right after that. And I think that is a theme that is throughout the book of Acts, is that baptism isn't something that the new Christian waits for, waits a year for, waits a long time for. It happens right after they become a Christian. You see that um, with the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, he says to Philip, I want to be baptized. Is there some type of water somewhere near? Is what he says in Acts 8. He wants to be baptized. Um, and again, I think that also gives some credence again to the view of baptism being full immersion, as the word in Greek does um, suggest. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is a an interesting point to be made for the church today is that baptism is really important and it is a command of Christ and that we see with with these new believers throughout the books 
book of Acts, that they're at, at a moment's notice, right when they come to Christ, they want to be baptized as a outward profession of their faith. And then one more verse that I wanted to bring up for y'all that I think can be confusing in the baptism. Um, not really debate, but the baptism discussion. I mean, it can can be a debate sometimes, but really just more so the discussion. And that's First Peter three. So again, I guess Peter just has interesting things to say about baptism. Um, but in First Peter three twenty one, this is what the text says. Um, let me give a little bit of context too. So right before this. Peter is talking about um, basically enduring suffering for the good of Christ, that we that we should um, count it a good thing to suffer for righteousness' sake. And then he talks about how Christ has suffered for sin, um, and he has he's the ultimate example of that. And so that's kind of what Peter's getting at before he gets to this verse. So this is verse twenty-one. Baptism, which corresponds to this, so this like gospel suffering um, through suffering for righteousness sake, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't think my commentary here is going to be super helpful, so I'm actually just going to go straight to the study notes. This is from the ESV Student Study Bible, and I think this is such a great explanation of that. this verse, and really... Um, wraps up what baptism is in a beautiful way. So I'm just going to read it for y'all. So this is what the ESV Student Study Bible note says on 1 Peter 3, 21. Peter compares salvation in the ark, so that's the verse right before verse 21, verse 20, and baptism. In both, believers are saved through the waters of judgment since baptism portrays salvation through judgment. Baptism saves you because it represents inward faith. Without, so not saving as in a salvific, this is your salvation from hell, but it saves you as in that it represents inward faith. So it's a great statement there. We're going to read it again. Baptism saves you because it represents inward faith. Without faith, baptism does nothing more than remove dirt from the body. Faith is shown by one's appeal to God for the forgiveness of one's sins for a good conscience. Furthermore, baptism saves only because it is grounded in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then the note goes on to say that Christians have disagreed about the proper mode of water baptism from the early history of the church. Yet Christians have generally agreed that water baptism is an outward sign of the inward work of the Holy Spirit. So I think that is a, a great summary as to what Peter is saying there, that if you are baptized, so to speak, immersed into water, but you don't actually have the inward faith in Jesus Christ, that baptism, baptism means nothing. It is just a removal of dirt from the body. And again, love the emphasis that baptism is a symbol of the inward change that happens when someone turns to Jesus Christ. And so... I don't have too much more on the topic of baptism as in that just the fundamental Christian belief, the belief that um, I would argue most Protestant Christians hold to is that baptism is a um, 
outward sign of an inward changed heart. And it's what Jesus commands us to do. The early believers, early Christians were jumping on board in, in order to get baptized right after they came to Jesus Christ. And that I would urge anybody listening that if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you've become a Christian, you haven't been baptized yet, that you would seek the first opportunity that that can happen. Um, that you, the first, whenever churches, I mean, I think churches should be open right now, but if you find churches open, whenever your church opens again, take that opportunity to declare your faith to the world. And so, and going right into that, um, talking about the immersion into Christ's body, the first scripture that I want to bring up for all, which I think is very important and very pertinent in our time um, right now going on with COVID and church closing and restrictions um, and not really going to give a political or social commentary on that. I just wanted to bring up this verse. So Hebrews 10 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so you see, the author of Hebrews is very clear to his audience that the habit of some of these Christians is to neglect to meet, but he's encouraging them to encourage one another to continue to meet, to be a part of Christ's body, to be a part of the local expression of who Christ is on this earth, and that is through being a part of a local church that is an extension of the um, bride of Christ, that we are an extension of the bride of Christ. We need to be in community with other Christians, especially if we are a new Christian. We just became a Christian. We've been away from the church for a while. Um, We've been hurt by the church, um, but Christ still commands us to be a part of his body and to be a part of his local church. And you see all throughout the book of Acts, again, bringing up the book of Acts, it's a, a great, a great uh, book of the Bible to jump right into if you uh, want to see how the early church did things. But they had set up these communities of churches, of believers who would gather together, um, study the word of God, pray, hear the word of God preached. And that was how they did church. That was such an important part of their lives. We need the church. We need other believers to bear our burdens, as Galatians 6 says, to bear one another up, to love one another, as John 13 says, that the world will know that we are Christians by our love for one another. But if we don't ever gather together and the, people, and the world can't see Christians' love for each other in the form of the local church and in the form of gathering together as Christians, then they're not going to know. Um, we need to become immersed into Christ's body. And with that said, I just want to kind of end with one of my favorite Greek words, which I think is uh, a beautiful word, um, is the word ecclesia. Uh, Ecclesia, sorry, I will say that wrong. Again, not, don't know Greek. Not going to do an explanation of that. I don't know. Um, But yes, so the word ecclesia, um, which is church in English, that where we use the word church in English, but the word ecclesia means an assembly, 
a religious congregation, and the usage of this word is usually to describe an assembly, congregation, church, the church, and the whole body of Christian believers. And so the helps word study says that they are people called out from the world into God. The outcome being the church, the mystical body of Christ, i.e. the universal total body of believers whom God calls out from the world and into his eternal kingdom. And the English word church also comes from the Greek word kyriakos, um, belonging to the Lord. And then ecclesia, ecclesia, church is the root of the terms ecclesiology and ecclesiastical. Uh, ecclesiology is a study of the church. Ecclesiastical is like, uh, like a term defining church and what church practices, stuff like that. Um, but my main point that I just wanted to get across in this second half of the podcast with immersion, immersion into Christ's body is that it is vital for the Christian to be involved in a local church and to be involved in fellowship with other believers, to hear the word of God taught every week, to sit under good, sound, biblical teaching, and to be involved in Bible studies, to be involved in ministry with the church, because that is another purpose of the church that Paul actually brings out in Ephesians 4, that that God has gifted the church with um, evangelists and apostles, and teachers, and administrative roles, and all these things um, for the purpose of equipping the body, the body of Christ, to do ministry. So if the body isn't gathering together, if the body isn't vital to the individual Christian's life and walk with Christ, then they're not, individual Christian is not going to be built up in order to go out and do ministry. And so, I don't have too much I'm going to riff off um, with the second point, except that it is vital to be involved in a local church. I don't know how else to say except Jesus uh, desires and commands you to be involved with his people and that it should be a natural outflowing of the spirit of God working in your heart, that you desire to be at church, to hear his word taught, and to be with Jesus's. Um, people and to know him more through that so that you are equipped to go out and do ministry throughout the week and I think that is I think I believe strongly because of scripture that the desire to be immersed into the body of Christ is the natural outworking of someone who has truly been saved by Christ um that we are also, as you know, the helps word study said that yes, we are called out from the world. We're called to God, the mystical body of Christ. Um, but we're also called to be a part of His local expression of the church. Um, and just to like put a little practical note at the end of this episode, too, um, I'll put in a few church directory findings um, that. I think have great resources to find churches in your area. I know it's kind of hard to find a church right now um, as we're going through COVID. I find churches actually open, but I will put some directories in the description below this podcast so y'all can hopefully find 
a good biblical church in the area. And I will say on another practical note that one of the biggest things to look for in a church is what they teach. Is uh, Are they teaching the Bible? Do you, do you leave feeling convicted about your sin? Does it point, do the, does the church point you to Jesus Christ being crucified on a cross for the sins of the world? Or does the church point to you to make you feel good, to entertain you, to make you feel okay about yourself? Is it just really religious really black cliches being taught? Or is it actually the word of God being taught in the church? Is the word of God being expounded, um, exegeted, not um, eisegeted? Eisegeted means that the pastor would be reading himself and reading people in the congregation into the text instead of um, preaching the text from the original context. So is that happening or is the Bible being taught and expounded and delivered to the people of God? That I think is one of the biggest things to look for. I think that's the most important thing to look for in the church. I know sometimes people look for a community and they look for if they like the people or many other factors which can be pertinent. But if the church is not preaching the word of God, then they're not really a biblical church. So that's my last little note. I could talk for a long time about some of my problems with the modern church, but I'll suffice it to say that the church should be preaching the word of God to their flock and teaching their people how to follow Christ. So yeah, that's the end of this episode. I love y'all and let me know what you guys think. You can email us, email us at womenoftheway1 at gmail.com or um, tweet us on Twitter. Um, uh, we will be getting more active on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that is the end of this episode. I hope that it encouraged you, gave you a uh, another biblical view of believers' baptism and being involved in the body of Christ. So that is the end. See y'all next time.